Well, good morning and welcome to Madison Church. My name is Stephen Feith, lead pastor at Madison Church, and we're going to just jump right in. Okay, we're in the fourth, final part of a series that we've been calling Circles, and the Circles represents relationships. It represents community, it can represent your family, it can represent Madison Church, but Circles are those, are those people that you do life with. And the reason that this series is so important, especially starting off a new year, we think about resolutions, we think about the life changes we want to make and, and all the things that we hope, that who do we want to become at the end of 2023? We think about those things. And as I was planning and praying, it really felt like God put it on my heart that instead of doing like the typical resolution, like habits, or what are you going to, you know, what are you going to do? Here's how to have good habits. We've done those before, but this year I felt like the pressure or rather the, the direction that God was leading us was Christian community. And it was the importance of getting beyond a Sunday only gathering. Now those have been values of Madison Church for a long time. We've been dropping those little tidbits in about our history and how community and friendship and is really important. Uh, and so doing this series has been a re-emphasis of that. So if you're kind of newer to Madison Church within the last six months, within the last year, within since the last pandemic, since the last pandemic, let's hope that there's not a next one <laughs> since the pandemic, um, you know, that changed a lot of how we, how we gathered. I think that that was the, the thing that hit us the hardest at Madison Church. You go onto the website and you look at some of the pictures and you say, well, the church used to be, a, you know, a larger community. Well, a lot of what that community was built around was getting together. It was getting together to eat. It was getting together to hang out. And then when the pandemic shut that down, um, I remember thinking, oh, we'll be back by Easter, which was going to be like a month later. And then it was like, well, we'll be back by September. We'll be back by 2021. And, you know, and it just kept getting pushed down and down and down. And so what happens when you're, when you're built like we were, which was to be community, you know, you're going to feel a ripple effect of that when you're not able to meet. We saw, the, we saw the fruit of that. When we weren't able to meet, when we weren't able to be a community, we saw people drift and, and, and fall away from the community, even though we tried to reach out to them and tried to, you know, how many of you got tired of Zooms, right? Like, I mean, at some point you were just like, I love you, I miss you, but like, if I have to do one more Zoom this week, <laughs> I'm going to die. And so circles are very important to our church. And as we continue to move away from the pandemic, we want to re-emphasize how important they are, those one-on-ones for coffee or drinks, those going out and getting lunch together, going out on Friday night, getting dinner together, Saturday morning, having brunch together. You know, you don't need my permission. And if you did need my permission, I've been giving it to you very explicitly the last three weeks. If you felt like you needed it, no, just ask for the person next to you, their number. This is a community. Reach out to someone and, and, and get together. I know that these talks have been challenging as I've rewatched them to edit them, to put them on YouTube. I'm like, okay, yeah, that hit a little bit harder than I, my notes I, I was thinking it would. But my prayer is that it hits hard, but not in a discouraging way. It hits hard in a motivating and challenging way that says there's something better for you. Like there's something that's been missing in your life since 2020 or perhaps even beforehand. Okay, We know the studies show people were lonely and isolated long before the pandemic. But I hope that in doing this, we're challenged to say, you know what, I'm going to make time. I think that that's probably the issue for a lot of us is I need to make time for this. I mean, I'm guessing your schedules are already full. And so it's a matter of now saying, okay, I do value people. And I know all of you do. You do value people and you value relationships. And now it's time to put that value into practice by working it into your calendar. Our mission of connecting people with God and each other, our mission is way too big to be accomplished one hour a week on Sundays. If we're going to accomplish this mission and connect everyone in Madison with God and each other, that big lofty dream, 
We're going to have to get together between Sundays. We're going to have to have a faith that is vibrant between Sundays. Um, this is modeled for us in the New Testament. We're talking about how did Christianity take off and what did that Jesus movement look like? We read in Acts 2.42, this passage we keep coming back to in this series. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. I love that little clarification They in sharing of meals. They're getting together just to eat, but also for communion. And so the, the author here, Luke, he's making a distinction. Yes, they got together for teaching, kind of like we're doing right now. They got together for fellowship, you know, the hanging out. They shared meals and communion, and they prayed together. Being in a community with each other is profoundly important as followers of Jesus. It's as important as reading the Bible as praying, as giving, as volunteering. It's right up there with all of those things. And that's been the emphasis the past few weeks. But as I started to lean into last week, and I'm going to lean into fully this week, circles don't exist just for our consumption. You know, it's not just that I'm going to ask you for coffee so that way, like, my spiritual and social cup is filled. I'm not going to invite you for breakfast just so that I can check one thing off my list because this is what we've been talking about at church. And so check, I did it. I can feel good now. It includes those things. That's okay. You're getting together and your social and spiritual cups are being filled and, and you're doing what I believe God wants you to do, which is being together. But it's also good for the other person. It's also good for other people. It's not just something that we are to consume, which means your circle cannot be closed. You can't have a closed circle. All those circles that we're talking about, sometimes you know, you think about your family circle. Your family circle isn't closed. Somebody has a new baby. Somebody gets married. Somebody gets divorced. That circle is, is changing. Your circle of friends has changed throughout the years. My circle of friends has changed since the pandemic happened. Okay, So we know that the circles are ever-changing, and they will change here at Madison Church as well. And so one of the things about having ever-changing circles is that they're not closed, which means God can add to the numbers, that God can bring other people in, people who are outside of the circle right now, and begin to include them inside of the circle. Again, we see this in the early church. If we just read a few verses down from uh, Acts 2.42 and verse 47, Luke writes, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And what I think Luke is trying to say is, you know what the result of a healthy, vibrant, Jesus-based community is? that other people who aren't a part of the circle become part of the circle. When you're getting together and you're eating and you're, and you're drinking and you're taking communion and you're praying, when you're doing those things and it's about Christian community and healthy and you keep the circle open, well, you're going to see people added to that. I'm wondering if you've ever seen the movie Finding Nemo. This is, this is the part where you get to raise your hand. Yeah, Finding Nemo. Oh, look at that. You all have. Finding Nemo, Disney movie. It came out 20 years ago. Makes you feel old, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I knew it would. <laughs> I actually wrote it in my notes and underlined it. Makes you feel old. 20 years ago. So for those of you who haven't seen the film in 20 years, it's about an overprotective dad, clownfish, whose son gets taken from him. The dad goes on the adventure of a lifetime across the ocean looking for a son. There's sea turtles, there are sharks, there's all sorts of adventure. Um, and meanwhile, Nemo, the son who was lost, finds himself at a dentist's office in Sydney, Australia. And when Nemo, the little fish, is thrown into the aquarium, the fish tank at the dentist's office for the first time, the other fish freak out. 
I mean, they freak out. Do you guys remember the scene? Nemo drops in and they're scrubbing everything. They're scrubbing Nemo. They're scrubbing the whole thing because it's been tainted. It's not sterile anymore. And they freak out. Now, after they clean everything up and they clean him up, they're happy for Nemo. They're excited. They got a new buddy in the tank. It's really exciting. And every time I see this scene, my mind floats to church and it floats to faith communities. Floats the Christian community because how often is it that when someone comes into our circle, we freak out as the church? I mean, we have a building and it's nice. We got these blue chairs and everything's set up the way that it should be. And, and we've got a specific culture that we're trying to follow. And, and then you drop someone in and we're like, we know we should be excited because we read in the Bible we should be excited. And Jesus is excited, but like, whoo, man, things are going to change now. And, and maybe they get dirty. But after we clean them up, whatever that means, right? We got to clean them up politically. We got to clean them up culturally. We got to make sure that they don't, you know, that they only say the bad words that we say. They only watch the TV shows that we watch. They don't listen to the bad music unless we do, then that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like we want to clean them up. So every time I see this scene, I'm just like, this is the this is the American church. Someone's dropped in and we freak out until we get them cleaned up and then we're excited. But that's not how Jesus lived. Jesus is the God of the ocean. Jesus didn't live in a tank. Jesus went out to where all the dirty fish were at. And he lived with them and he did life with them. And that is the example that we are supposed to follow. So my challenge for you today is as you think about your circle, as you think about the tank that you live in and how you have worked hard to keep it clean and organized with your values, I want you to get out of the tank, get back into the ocean where you belong because Jesus, God is in the ocean. Last week, I shared how Madison Church, we started as a small group. I know we're a small group now, but we literally started as a small group. It was me and Anthony one-on-one meeting at Starbucks. And then eventually we started meeting in my apartment. At some point we moved outside because we had too many people to fit comfortably in my house. We tried, it got weird. We went outside, it starts getting cold. So we went public by opening up our West Side location. And then we expanded to a location here on the Isthmus. Now, our vision is to keep doing this and to keep getting better as we do it until we have 10 locations throughout the city of Madison. And before you think that we're doing something innovative, and I know some of you went to the website, you saw the vision, you're like, this is really cool, it's really different. I want to assure you it is cool and it is different, but it is not original. This was the model that Jesus taught. I mean, you don't have to believe me, you can read Luke, you can read Acts and see that this is exactly the model Jesus taught. For example, in Luke 6, beginning with verse 12, we read, At about the same time that he, Jesus, climbed the mountain to pray, uh, he was there all night in prayer before God. And the next day, he summoned his disciples. And from them, he selected 12 he designated as apostles. So Jesus had this big circle, and he's about to make a smaller circle. He's about to choose people that he's going to be more intentional about investing in. Simon, whose name was Peter, Andrew, his brother James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon, Judas, Judas. And so Jesus brings alongside him not just one person, but he brings along 12 people because he's Jesus. He can do that, right? He brings 12 people around him to be part of his inner circle, ordinary people with ordinary names like Peter, James, and John, normal jobs like fishermen and tax collectors for that time. And he asked them to be in his circle. He asked them, will you follow me? Will you be an apostle? Will you take the step up? Do life with me. Learn from me. The concept is pretty simple and remains simple to this day. Jesus says, do what I do. 
We often see a long time ago, there are those bracelets. So what would Jesus do? A better question would be, what did Jesus do? We don't have to guess. All of you around you have house Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, you can take one of those Bibles. That's why we buy them. That's why there's different color covers is because people take them and we have to reorder them and you know every couple of years they update them. But you can read. You don't have to guess what would Jesus do. You can read what did Jesus do. And what he did was he said, follow me and do what I do. Learn how to live based on how I live. And it was through those people doing just that, that simple thing. It's simple and it's so complicated and it's easy to understand, but it's hard to put into practice to do what Jesus did. But because they did that, even as imperfectly as they did it, they changed the world. The mission of Jesus, Jesus's mission spread throughout the entire known world. And to prove that it's not just Jesus who does this, uh, I want to point out that the Apostle Paul did this. I mean, possibly if the most influential Christian leader ever in this kind of way of thinking, he followed the example of Jesus. He invited a young man named Timothy to be his apprentice. If you recognize the name Timothy, it's because you have a couple small books in the New Testament, First and Second Timothy. And those are letters that Paul is writing to his apprentice, Timothy, to the person that he says, hey, Timothy, follow me as I follow Jesus. And in, it's in his second letter to Timothy, Paul writes something that I'd love to unpack. In 2 Timothy 2, uh, verses 1 and 2, if you want to follow along, he says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Now, I know, just first reading, you're like, okay, Timothy, go on, tell the world about Jesus, right? What's so profound about that? It, it is profound. And if you're taking notes in your own Bible, um, it'd be great if you put the number two next to me. I'll have it in red here. Um, you have heard me, that's Paul, you have heard me, Timothy, teach these things. Well, where did Paul hear it from? Well, Paul heard it from Jesus himself. So if, if Jesus was in here, we'd put a number one by Jesus's name. He's not, but put a number two by me and then put a number three by now teach because now he's telling Timothy, I heard this from Jesus. Now I'm giving it to you. And now Timothy, I want you to for give it to trustworthy people. Jesus to Paul, to Timothy, to give it to other people. Why? So that they can give it to others. And in one sentence, we see this model of, of Paul saying, how often is your circle spinning and opening up and including no, new people? As you live this out, as you teach this, Timothy, here's what's going to happen. It's going to go generation after generation after generation if you do it right. Timothy, if you do it right, Christianity won't die in your city when you die. If you do it right, Christianity will live long after you have died. If you do it right, you won't be the only person meeting in your house, Timothy. And if you do it right, you won't be the only church in your city, Timothy, is what Paul says. And again, Timothy did this well. And as a result, dozens and hundreds, and as the early church did this well, even millions of people found and followed Jesus, followed Jesus in a matter of a hundred, couple hundred years. And as more and more people were apprenticed and sent out to lead, more and more people found and followed Jesus. And that mission spread. It didn't just stop in Jerusalem and went all the way through Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, all the way to a place called Madison, Wisconsin, where we are under ice today, right? 
And this was what Jesus prophesied would happen. Acts 1.8 is a passage that we've taught on before, and there's the angle of, you know, Jesus says this, and he's giving them a command. But there's also this other consideration by scholars that Jesus wasn't just giving them a command, that this was a prophecy. And historically, we can back this out. Back this up. Because Jesus says to them in Acts 1.8, you, talking to his disciples, will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly the pattern we see then unfold historically. They started in Jerusalem. And as that circle spun and kept open and more people became part of the circle and that circle spun off into other circles, we see them go to Judea and to Samaria. And then we see Paul going all the way to Rome and potentially Spain. We see Thomas maybe going all the way to India. We see Peter going as far north as the world went. We see Philip going down into Africa. And we see the circle just spinning and spinning and spinning until we get to where we are today. And it's our turn. It's your turn. It's my turn. The mission of Jesus, that the mission that Jesus left them wasn't just for them to reach the city of Jerusalem. And it's not just for us to reach our neighborhood, but it's for us to keep spinning. Yes, our neighborhood, but yes, our city. And not just our city, but yes, our county. And not just our county, but our state. And if you can hear the words of Paul talking to you saying, hey, Dan, hey, Melanie, Hey, CJ, if you do this right, what's going to happen is Christianity is going to go way beyond you. As you follow Jesus, you're going to see other people find and follow Jesus. You can hear him say that. And I shared last week that I was once an outsider of a circle. And I'm guessing you were once outside of a circle. And maybe that was a church circle. But at one point, maybe you weren't a part of a church, but then you were included as it, a a part of it. And in modeling uh, the excuse me, and following the model that Jesus laid out, here's how it's played out at Madison Church. Here's just one story of this. I moved to Madison. I'm managing a Starbucks. And while managing a Starbucks, I meet a guy, Matt. He's sitting in the tub. One of the first people we ever baptized at our church. He was an assistant produce manager. Matt was really friendly. uh, And then I work differently than Matt. And so uh, when we're at work and in the back room, I'm like all business, no play. Got to get this done. We've got records to break. Uh, that was a really big deal to me as I was watching us climb in the Starbucks sales department. Like I was like, yes, we're doing it. But Matt always wanted to talk. Matt was very social. He was more like a uh, you know, work to live type of guy. <laughs> and so uh, I remember feeling convicted that like I was always blowing him off. I was always rude to him. And I remember God saying, did you come to Madison to manage a really great coffee shop or did you come to Madison to start a church? And, and depending how you answer that question should probably affect how you treat Matt. Because if it was to manage a Starbucks, then keep doing what you're doing because you're crushing it, man. But I was like, it's not. I didn't move here for the mission of Starbucks to sell more coffee or whatever the mission was. I can't even remember. But so I, I invite Matt to church. And it is at Madison Church that Matt decides like he's following Jesus. He he gets baptized. He gets trained to lead a group. And then he gets trained to lead a group. And then we tell Matt the same thing that we're telling you guys. Your circle has to be spinning. Your circle has to be open. You have to include people, Matt. This isn't an option. And so he invites a woman who works in the bakery. Her name's Brianna. A lot of you know Brianna. Brianna goes to our church not because of Google or an ad or search. She comes because somebody, Matt, opened a circle. He just said, hey, Brianna, I have a small group. You want to go get coffee? You want to talk about my small group? And Brianna agrees. And then in this picture, you can see there's Matt, who we baptized a couple years earlier, and Brianna in the pool. Because it was at Madison Church that Brianna decides, I want to find and follow Jesus, that she finds and follows Jesus and decides to get baptized. And Brianna has been a leader since then. 
And then about a year after that, we tell Brianna, your circle's got to spin. Your circle's got to stay open. And in this final picture, this is cool. This is Brianna's mom, Carla. So we baptized Carla. Now, we were all just normal people with ordinary jobs who found healing from the past, purpose, in the future, through Jesus. It wasn't because any of us were super saints. I promise you, I know them all well. I know myself well. None of us are super saints. I was managing a Starbucks. Matt was working in produce department. Brianna works in a bakery. Carla was a custodian. But look at the generations of Christians. As followers of Jesus, as we open up and say, I'm going to let my circle stay open and spin. And it's happened more than just that. There are other stories I could tell you. But the vision I want to paint in your mind is that it can be you. It could be you. It should be you. That's the challenging part of this morning. As we live and consider our circles, not just with each other, as we live open circles, we should begin to envision ourselves standing waist deep in water with someone we've helped find and follow Jesus. You don't have to be a great evangelist. You don't have to be a great salesman. You don't have to be a super extrovert. You don't have to do one a year. You don't have to do 10 a year. I believe that God has put people in and around your lives, all of you, that he loves deeply and dearly and died for. And so my advice to you is however long it takes, however long it takes, however many lattes you have to drink, however many breakfasts you have to eat, with someone, however long you have to be their friend. And even if at the end of their life, eh, Jesus just isn't for them. Jesus just isn't their thing. Continue to love them because Jesus loves them all the way until the end, even if they reject him. And so we have these challenges we've been talking about and they've been building on each other. And so no matter where you're at in this journey, you know, journey one, you're just getting started at Madison Church. Well, then sign up. We said, sign up for a group, sign up for a team, stay for a lunch, but sign up. The second challenge from week two was show up. This was related to number one. Uh, Yes, signing up is hard. I get that. That's the first step here. I'm putting myself out there. I'm going to sign up. But showing up is actually the hardest step we've introduced so far. (laughs) Because it's like, now I got to put this into action. It goes beyond a feeling, a motivation on a Sunday morning. We got to show up. Last week, I said, now we got to step up. We have to start including people in our circle. It's not just a matter of me going into a circle and consuming it, but rather now I got to start including people. And finally, we want to spread out. If we sign up, show up, step up, we should start to spread out and to spin our circles and to have them open. Studies do show that most people are lonely or isolated. I mean, it's a, it's a, pandemic of another sort. Most people, as we talked about in the studies, they they don't even have one person to talk to, to open up with, and to confide to. And that just shouldn't be. It doesn't have to be. And it shouldn't be here at Madison Church. Definitely shouldn't be here at Madison Church. And I want to keep pointing you to this idea that if we do this well, if we do this well by this time next year, by this time next month, there will be people here who are lonely today. People who don't know about Madison Church, but they know you. People who don't know about this faith community, but they know you. People who have experiences with church and Jesus, which probably aren't terribly positive, but they like you and they trust you. And Jesus asked the question, how will you use your influence? Will you be different 
Will you be the light? Will you show them that it is positive to have, or it is possible to have a positive experience at church and with Christian community? Will you show them that that's possible? Will you be the difference? And I hope you will, because there are people like Matt and Brianna and Carla. There are all sorts of people in your life who Jesus loves and has been working through and is just hoping that you will spread out this week.